0: And welcome back to another edition of Kevin's Corner, Kevin Bowen. Per usual, apologize for the sound quality. I know some people are already complaining about it. We're not even 10 seconds into it, but uh, family vacation during the summer. It is July 1. Thank the Lord. Halfway of 2020 is over. Um, so we are up at the beautiful Lubbers Family Lakehouse. Ross Lovers, my brother-in-law, the most loyal listener in the family by far, um, is with me. He will be producing today's pod. Chris Presley is, uh, I believe, on a vacation,
1: maybe Charlotte area. So, uh, Ross, I appreciate you taking time, man. Absolutely. Really happy to be here. Definitely a long-time fan. Pretty nervous for all the listen- listeners out there, but um, yeah, really excited to be here with you. I love it. Uh, Ross has been tremendous
0: with Rosie Bow. A little update on her. She's doing great, sleeping pretty well. So uh, mom's got her right now downstairs. But uh, on today's pod, we'll focus on superlatives for the 2020 Colts. You know, we're... It's crazy to think we are less than a month away from training camp, um, mm-hmm. and, and rookies report July twenty second, veterans the twenty eighth, and so hopefully we'll get some sort of training camp schedule somewhat soon. Um, but I kind of wanted to go over this. This was this kind of making a run on Twitter a few weeks ago, just you know your general best player, key new ad, could surprise, most overrated, most underrated, you know things like that. So we'll, we'll get into a few of those today. Um, have a ton of Twitter questions that I've saved over the last week sorry we're coming to you on Wednesday afternoon I know usually it's, it's a Tuesday morning thing but um hopefully you guys will still have plenty of time to listen to this Chris and I will be back in studio next week and we'll get back into our podcast but uh Ross let's let's kick it off with uh, yeah. some of those superlatives
1: yeah let's hop right in Kev so first one for the 2020 season best player who do you, who do you think will be the best player for the Colts Colts roster for the upcoming season.
0: Yeah. You know, it's um, probably the guy that's been the best player the last two seasons. And and that would be Quentin Nelson. Um, You know, to me, when, when you get into the debate of like best player, I think you have to clarify of that is not the most impactful player. You know, and I don't want like that to be a knock on Quentin Nelson. He still is the best individual player on this football team. Is he the most impactful player? No, he's not, but he dominates the position he plays. He is the best guard in football. He will get a Zach Martin type of contract whenever the the, the Colts decide to, you know, attack that. Probably not next offseason, but maybe the offseason after that when he's heading into that fifth year of his rookie deal. Um, and I think you make the argument he might be the best offensive lineman in football. Wow. Regardless. Wow. Of position. So I, I, I think when you look at the best player on this football team, um, you know, some would, would probably vote for Darius Leonard. Um, you know, you might get a couple votes, honestly, for for Kenny Moore, a guy that, again, I still don't think gets the amount of attention. Mm-hmm. That he deserves, but um, I will go with Quentin Nelson as the best player on the 2020 Colts. Certainly. And there's
1: there, there's definitely a difference between most impactful and right. best player. And, and, and you
0: know it's not like he plays guard, and we've talked about this before. Quentin Nelson can be perfect throughout the course of an NFL game and the Colts could score three points. Yeah, totally. And, but if Phillip Rivers is perfect for the entire game. You're scoring probably at least 20, 30, like something like that. So that's just the debate. And I I don't want to get back into like, do you take a guard at number six overall? Because (laughs) I do believe there was a, a cultural shift that needed to happen with that unit. And Nelson has spearheaded that. So again, the best player on this
1: football team is the guy that wears number 56. Awesome. Awesome. Going into the next one here, Kev. Key new ad, so so the best player that we've added uh, to mm-hmm. this roster for the upcoming season.
0: Yeah, I think it's DeForest Buckner. Um, you know, I don't know for those listeners that maybe missed the article, I posted something maybe about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, um, with Bill Pullian having some quotes in there. And obviously the Polian age Colts, the Tony Dungy era Colts, they played the same defense that, that, that this era is playing as well. And he you know, was very blunt and honest in saying that we were not a Super Bowl team until they made the trade for Booger McFarlane, which I believe was in October of that Super Bowl season.
1: Yep, from the Bucs. Yeah,
0: and that was, I think, a second-round pick. Um, And obviously, number 13 overall is totally different than that. But it just goes to show you how important that position is. And then, obviously, you throw in a talented player like Buckner, who was a former top-ten pick Mm -hmm. and and has played at a Pro Bowl, All-Pro level in his career. Um, the interior pressure means everything, you know, it, we, we've talked about it in this podcast so many times of quarterbacks have shredded the Colts because they get into rhythm, they get it in timing and you've given a shooter that's missed 10 in a row, that easy fast break layup to start a game and boom, that totally changes that guy's thinking and where his confidence is at. And I think if you're able to, you know, first series of the game, all of a sudden a third down rush and week one and Gardner Minshew's pumping it twice. Now, all of a sudden, that he's naturally thinking about that for the rest of the game. So I think Buckner is the key new ad I don't want to lose sight of Michael Pittman, though. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, you know, obviously, Rivers would be atop this list considering the position he plays. But here I'm going with similar to what I did with best player. I'm going with just what the talented guy can do. And let's be honest, Phil Rivers is a one-year, maybe two-year fix. Michael Pittman, if everything goes according to plan, he you know he's your number one whiteout. Honestly, mm-hmm. for the next ten years, whenever T.Y. Hilton, you know, passes that torch off to him, so um, I, I just feel like with Hilton's you know future up in the air a bit. Michael Pittman is not only very important for the now, but he's important for the long term, and that's why he's on this
1: list. And Philip Rivers is not. Yeah, Pittman has a little bit of a prove it in him too as a rookie, where for sure, you know, for sure, Buckner, for sure. Buckner's been uh, yeah, Buckner's productive. An established guy. Yeah. You know, he's
0: been in the league for a handful of years. Um, and I talked about this, I think, more last off season. What I wanted to see from the Colts in last year's draft was kind of a passing of the torch. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about it with Costanzo to the next left tackle. You know, Justin Houston to the next pass rushing defensive end, T.Y. Hilton to the next number one wideout. And we're a little bit unsure at left tackle. Well, I guess we're, we're a lot unsure at left tackle. Who, who am I kidding? Uh, DN, you know, maybe it's Kamoko Terry, but wideout, there is a clear guy there, and that's Michael Pittman, more so than Paris Campbell. I know both are taking the second round, but I, I look at Campbell as more of that, you know, gadgety it, it isn't the right word, but he's just more of a chess piece you, you would move all over in a different role. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it is It is huge for uh, Michael Pittman in the future of this football team
1: and whoever is the future guy under center. Sure, sure, absolutely. Heading to the next one here, Kevin, could surprise. So who who on this roster are you looking at and kind of eyeing on a week-to-week basis as someone that we expect to surprise us on yeah, the field?
0: you know, it, it's a great debate. I think a lot of people would give,
1: you know, plenty of different
0: answers. Um I'm gonna go with Rocky scene and I really liked how he finished last season. You know, he had the Denver game where he has the five penalties and Cortland Sutton just made him look like his, you know, you know what. Um <laughs> in that game. But the reason they took Rocky scene at thirty four overall was I think it was thirty four overall. Um was because of what he what he stands for and and, and just that high character guy. Um and you know, I think there was a bit of a wake up call of like, all right, this isn't Presbyterian. This isn't temple. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is the NFL and um, the Colts threw him into the fire. I mean, you know, shadowing Cortland Sutton is nothing to turn your head at. So if he can take the next step and be the long outside corner, allow Kenny Moore to continue to play in the slot. Mm -hmm. Now you pair that up with seemingly a more disruptive front. That to me could be a surprise. Um, and and I don't think we've talked about him maybe as much as we should, but that corner group is a bit of a question mark. But if, again, if he surprises Mm -hmm. and you would think, okay, second round pick guys making that, that natural jump from year one to year two, he would be the guy that I would put in there. The other name that, that I keep on coming back to is Jonathan Taylor. And some might say, well, I mean, I expect him to play well, but you have the incumbent and Marlon Mack is a thousand yard rusher. You know, Jonathan Taylor was drafted 80 spots ahead of him for a reason. And it's the combination of the size and the speed. And a few weeks back, I remember someone tweeted at me like, oh, Jonathan Taylor, I think can could be Edron James 2.0. That's incredibly high praise. Um, I don't want to put that on him. Mm-hmm. But that dude put up numbers at Wisconsin that were just stupid. And he weighs 225 plus. He runs three. I mean, there is the ability there of, you know, Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. Sonny Michelle, um, you know, insert some of these Devin Singletary, some of these other second, third round running backs that have been taken in the past couple of years that have come in here and been instant impact. So, you know, for a rookie to, to be a thousand yard rusher, it, he's going to need some help in, in that Marlon, you know, either gets banged up or just they all of a sudden give Jonathan Taylor a bunch of carries. But um, you don't expect rookies to come in here and give you that sort of offensive production, I think Taylor could be in that group. Because, again, from a physically gift standpoint, he is more gifted than, than, than Marlon Mack. That's no knock on Marlon, but that's just simply where Jonathan Taylor is at. So um, he's a guy that I, I would throw on this list.
1: Certainly. Certainly, certainly. Okay, heading to the next one here. Um, takes a leap. So who's someone on the roster that you think this year either needs to or will take a leap in their in the next step of their progression.
0: Yeah, you know, this is something we talked about more so, I think, on a podcast about a month ago, so I won't hit on these two names very long, but it would be Kamoko Turay on defense and Paris Campbell on, on offense. You know, Turay has, seemingly he has the pitch, and, and when I say that, it's the speed rush trait. It's the blue trait coming off the edge of that 98-mile-per-hour fastball, and Robert Mathis has been working with him so much in the offseason to try to make him more of the, more of the Greg Maddox, if you will. You know, more of the well-rounded guy that okay can you counter? Uh, you know these left tackles are extremely athletic in the league. You know when they you know eat up that speed rush or they play for that, how, do you have a spin move? Do you have a bit of a bull rush? Can you kind of want one arm them? Those sorts of things. You know Campbell obviously falls in the injury category. You know it's it, in a way I feel like Paris Campbell it, it is a bit hard to screw up, and some people might be like you know what are you saying with that. I go back to, and honestly, I think you and I were at this game, Ross. It was opening night in Bloomington, maybe two years ago, Ohio State-IU. I think it was like a Thursday nighter. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you you, you don't go to IU to watch the football team play. You often go to tailgate or watch the opponent. And that was simply the case. It was a great tailgate, beautiful night down in Bloomington. Um, And then we went into the stadium and watched Ohio State for a couple quarters. And, I mean, Paris Campbell was just – Lit him up. Oh my gosh. That 21 was a blur mm-hmm. on the field. And, and what he did in that game and what he continued to do throughout that season was take these low percentage touches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, um, easy to get him the ball in a flat, in a screen game, jet sweep, um, those sorts of things, and let him do the rest. And so I think that's why it is a bit hard to screw up because as long as he can stay healthy. Seemingly, he only needs a couple touches a game to really impact things. And I know last season he didn't do that; he didn't have any kind of flash moment. Sure, there was a little bit here in Tennessee game, and a little bit against Pittsburgh, but he never had the holy shit. Like, mm-hmm. oh my god, that's that's a two yard swing pass, and Paris Campbell's forty yards down the sideline. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what we're waiting for. So those two guys would be in the uh, take a leap
1: category. Sure, and and you know specifically with. You know, with Paris Campbell, I, I think the pressure is a little bit more with him because he's got Pascal and he has Pittman right on his coattails, right. and I, I think seemingly those three are almost battling for the long-term number two wide receiver. Not even long-term because who knows what Ty's future looks like. But no,
0: I think that's a fair statement. I mean, this is a um, you know Paris Campbell sat on the sidelines last year and watched the rest of his rookie class tear up the NFL, or at least the vast majority of those wideouts: mm-hmm. AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf. I mean, we're talking about guys drafted right around him, some guys drafted even after him. And I, I asked him that question earlier in the spring of like, you know, does that eat at you a little bit? And he was very candid about that. And mm-hmm. that, how does it not eat at you? Yeah. Um. You know, when you have four injuries and three surgeries. So, yeah, I mean, that's spot on, Ross, of like, this is a guy that can entrench in that wide out core. Because, you know, and I think I mentioned this on last week's podcast, we forget Zach Pascal is only about 25. You know, he's not. Mm-hmm. you know, 28, 29 years old, Dontrell Inman type of age. So, um, so yeah, you know, Campbell,
1: um, for me, falls squarely in this category. Do not sleep on Pascal, that's for sure. Um, All right, going into the next one here. Most overrated on the Colts roster. Mm. Tough subject to talk yeah, about. But most is. overrated here.
0: Yeah, it is. And I'm sure I'll have people that will tag these players on Twitter because I've mentioned this in the podcast. So um, I'm glad you decided to live <laughs> – that life and, and I hope. Hope you enjoy that. Um, I'll say, and okay, I'm gonna start on defense. I'll go with just Justin Houston, and let me preface by there are caveats in this that I really look at the Colts roster, and I don't know who I would throw into the what we think is the quintessential overrated term. I I, I really don't like. Maybe you're in a small market, but I don't like look at any of these players and think they're vastly overrated by any means. So take this with a grain of salt. But what I would say with Houston is, and there's probably a reason why he didn't appear on a lot of those kind of like all pro type lists last season. If you go back and watch his 11 sacks, it wasn't the most dominant 11 sacks. Like, don't get me wrong. 11 sacks is 11 sacks. But, um, I want to say he had like 18 quarterback hits. And if you look at where that number ranked in the NFL, it wasn't in like the top 20 pass rushers. Mm -hmm. So I I just think what you want to see is a little bit more consistency. I remember one game, hell, it might've been Jacksonville at home. He hadn't had a sack all game. It was a blowout. He gets a sack on a backup left tackle, and and then they take him out of the game. You know, it was like one of those things where just get this guy his stat and then get him out of the game. So I just want to see a little bit more of consistency out of Justin Houston from a pressure quarterback hit standpoint. The other name that I'm going to throw on this list, and some people will be like, "Kevin, you know, you, you've always talked about how this guy's done everything that he's been asked to do, and he has." But I'll throw Marlon Mack on there, and that'll surprise some people.
1: Surprises me.
0: Um, and again, when I look at offense, like who do you put on there? I I don't want to call Hilton overrated. Jack Doyle is certainly not overrated. Um, nobody on that offensive line I consider overrated. Uh, Rivers to me. I, he's just a middle of the pack quarterback right now. He's not, I mean, he, I don't look at him. So I guess I'm coming from my own point of view, but when you look at Marlon Mack, I put him on there for this reason. How much does the offensive line do in this form? Mm-hmm. You know, Jonathan Williams comes off the bench last year. Hell, he comes off borderline, the, the, the couch and rushes for a hundred yards in back to back games. Look at Jordan Wilkins. You, yard yards per carry in the league I'm pretty sure it still hovers over five so sure you know you you find guy and then you look at Naeem Hines and you're like well that's not a great yards per carry and you you look at the Colts record without Marlon Mack and they're like one and eight so th- there are counters to this but I wanted to put a name on this list I wanted to put an offensive player so I tried to at least give you something I don't know if I totally agree with my own thought process sure but there is some validity to like okay and this goes back to the debate about maybe even taking Jonathan Taylor in round two.
1: That I, I was going to ask hypothetical: if Jonathan Taylor doesn't get drafted here, is Marlon Mack still, still this most overrated on the roster because he has a you know he he's a essential piece to the puzzle without Jonathan Taylor in in, in the back pocket for here. sure. And I don't want to lose sight of that.
0: Um, but it's one of those things of like you know, could a senior year high school Ross Lovers average four point one yards per carry behind the O line? <laughs> I hope not. Did you play offense at all in high school? No,
1: I was a defensive guy. Purely
0: defense. Yeah, um, great corner, safety,
1: safety a little corner, hybrid safety a little corner. hybrid. Yeah,
0: call him Julian Blackman, third yeah. round pick for the Colts. Um, yeah, I mean it is it is a fair statement, but again, to go back to Taylor in the second round, it's the whole debate about running back, and when you have this offensive line that seemingly Jonathan Williams again can come off this inactive yeah. list and a- and have two back-to-back hundred yard games i think there's just a reason to add the debate mm-hmm. so um go ahead tag marlon mack J- justin houston luckily all our calls will be zoom this year and i can just not <laughs> turn my video on so hopefully they don't know who
1: i am <laughs> these players will be a little bit more fun to tag most underrated most yeah. underrated on the uh, on, on the colts roster this year yeah defense is obvious it is kenny moore for sure um
0: he wasn't even a pro ball alternate which The fact that Xavier Rhodes made the pro bowl last year and Kenny Moore did not just makes me think that that game is the biggest sham in the world. Um, offensively, I think it's Braden Smith and there are still people that want to move him to guard. And I'm like, why he plays right tackle at a very nice level. Um, he only played, you know, tackle in college for two games and is coming here in the NFL and has just been a solid, solid right tackle. And, um I, I i think he's vastly underrated i know frank reich certainly agrees with that um so he is um he he's
1: on this list awesome awesome anything else to add to the superlatives we before get to twitter I think tw- we had twitter one questions?
0: more i wanted to say prove it year maybe i didn't i didn't send this to you um i'm sorry on, if on, i missed no, that on our on, on our rundown okay let's um, do one
1: more let's prove it year. who's yeah. who? who's who needs to prove it
0: you know, I posted something on Monday. For those that missed it on the website, check that out. It is, um, the Colts have, boy, you can make the case they have 12 starters that are in contract years.
1: Big contract years.
0: Big. And some notable, notable names on that list. Um, so two names, obviously, will come off that list that I will have as prove-it years. Let's start with um, with Malik Hooker. We, we talked about him a ton on this podcast. Um, this is a prove-it year for himself. It is a prove-it year Honestly, probably more so for the other 31 teams in the NFL. I think the Colts have told Malik Hooker, through their actions what they think of him. I do. I know some people are like, well, he could still come back. You know, you you drafted this guy in the third round. You don't pick up a reasonable fifth year, you know, rookie option. Like, you have told him through your actions what you think. And that is this. You are hesitant, more than hesitant, on if he is part of your long-term future. That's what you said to him. So this will prove it to you. He's in a contract year now. He doesn't have the fifth-year security of that first-round pick. Um, So this is definitely that for him. I am so curious to see how he reacts to this offseason. Secondly, we'll go with Phil. Phil Rivers. Phil with an F. I wish more Phils would spell their names with that. How about Phil Mickelson's sunglasses on tour right now?
1: What are your thoughts? I love it. I think Phil Mickelson has done a great job of almost reshaping his image for people of our younger generation to like him everything from hitting bombs to his fireside chats <laughs> to his swaggy sunglasses man he
0: he is one of a kind. I, I you know I, when you love
1: tiger as much as I do
0: and, and obviously you you do as well Ross yep. i I'm, I'm trained to hate Phil um I think Phil's a loser to be frank <laughs> um, which I know sounds harsh but uh yeah Phil rivers rocking um I had someone say don't mention how many kids he that he has because you say it every podcast so I won't so we'll just move on Phil rivers um prove it For himself, more so than anything, I think, because, you know, you played 16 years in one place. The Chargers, without – you know, the Chargers didn't have Patrick Mahomes sitting on the bench. Like, they didn't. They had Tyrod Taylor. And yet, they still said, Phil, we've seen enough. Move on. I mean, how is that not a bit of a -a prove-a-year? So, you know, can you add to the Hall of Fame resume? Um, Incredible career for Phillip Rivers, for sure. But to bolster the Hall of Fame resume, to find success in the month of January, that has eluded him. We've talked about it. They've made the playoffs one time in the last six years. I think the Chargers won like two playoff games in the last decade. I mean, that's not January football for a guy that has put up the numbers that, that, that he's put up. So um, I, I think it is a proven year. And I think he hears some of that chatter. He mm-hmm. doesn't want to go all the way there. But he knows that he hears some of it of like the arm strength. Mm-hmm. What do you have left in you? You can't do without Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. The questions are there. I think they're fair to be asked. And Phillip Rivers will have a beautiful opportunity in this offense. I mean, you talk about a good opportunity for him to find. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, it was this pretty much the same offense. I mean, Peyton didn't have the same offense. You know, He went to Adam Gase and company out there in Denver. You know, it, it kind of had to be reconstructed a little bit. So, yeah. Um, Hooker, Rivers, two of those names on the list uh, of uh, free agents.
1: Yeah, quick follow-up question for you here, Kev, when yeah. you, when you, when you think about Philip rivers and, and him proving it, you know, someone who's a 16 year vet, he's been there, he's done that from a purely win loss perspective. Where do you think the threshold of proving it is for him? Like what, where, where does yeah. he need to do, uh, to, to say to the critics out there, you know, I'm proving it in this, mm-hmm. in this new environment. Yeah. Here.
0: Here's my middle finger and I'm not flicking off you. Like, you know, Billy Bullock got in the game in the 2008 playoffs inside of the RCA or was that Lucas oil? I think it was made last game. in The RCA, no, um, you know, I, I think on last week's podcast, I mentioned for T.Y. Hilton to consider himself prove it next contract. I said 14 ish games, 900 ish yards. That to me deserves a third contract. For Rivers, it's hard to quantify for me the numbers exactly or the win loss. Honestly, I think anything better than eight and eight, the Colts almost have to run it back. Sure. I, I, I just think that's where you back yourself into your corner. Cause what are you going to see from Jacob Eason that all of a sudden makes you say, here are the keys to the franchise.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and I, I, you have to, you know, give Philip Rivers a new contract before the draft. Mm-hmm. So if you were going to trade up and get Justin Fields or Trey Lance, or, you know, a pipe dream of Trevor Lawrence or Sam Elliger, you know, whoever these other quarterbacks are that you, you guys want to fall in love with. Boy, that's a big risk. Yep. I mean, that is a big risk. Um, so I would say anything. I I don't necessarily agree with it personally. If you go eight and eight or nine and seven, and Philip Rivers looks like a middle of the pack, I would be done with him. Yeah. Because I want to. I, you guys know this. These listeners know this. I want to get started on the next era. Mm-hmm. This era is not going to last more than two years. So I want to get started on it quicker. But I think from a Colts point of view, you know, keep it under. 18 interceptions, you know, over 4,000 yards, 65%, and you go eight and eight or better. I think Philip is um, is under center in 2021. Certainly, certainly.
1: Great. Anything else, Kev, that you no, want to make? No, no, no. Right, that is
0: cool. um, that was our superlatives. Um, for those that have missed it throughout the week, we have posted a burning question series we've started on the website. Um, so, so check that out as well. Um, but let's, uh, let's get to Twitter
1: questions. Man. Awesome. Let's hop right in. First one here is from Flippin. gotta be Flippin, kidding me. That's what it do it again. Flippin. Of, yeah. Flipping. I, love- I would love your take on the the linebacker core after this year. I can't imagine Walker getting a, a contract. So I think that's a question there, but he's asking, yeah. you know, what what's Walker's future look like? Right. And your take on the linebacker.
0: core. So Anthony Walker is one of the 11 or 12 starters that you would throw into the contract year. Um, I think, I think it might be the best group on the team not named offensive line or running back. I think it might be better than the D-line. Maybe not. But I, I I love the group. You know, you guys know full well. I, I love Anthony Walker. Um, I'll say this about the future. Bobby Okariki and Darius Leonard aren't going anywhere. That's your future. And I, what about EJ Speed? He's a guy, guy that we just don't talk about. Fifth-round pick. Um, played 33 snaps. I think it is last year, 28 in one game that goes Oakland. So it's not like we've seen him in a defensive setting very often. Um, you know, flipping, because of the name, I'll give an actual answer. I think Anthony Walker (laughs) gets another contract. I, I do. And I don't know. Don't ask me why. And I'm glad you didn't ask me why he might not be the Mike of the future, but I just think he, he fits somewhere. Yeah. Now I will say this. Um, Somebody tweeted at me about this a couple weeks ago. might have been you, honestly, flipping. And uh, Darius Leonard. Yeah. Darius Leonard favorited the tweet. He wants Anthony Walker back. If Um, if Darius
1: Leonard has anything to say about it, Walker's coming back.
0: And I can't remember if we had that Twitter. I think we do. So I'll I'll wait maybe to get to that a little bit later. Okay. But I'm with you, Ross. I I honestly think that there is a little bit of influence now. Not a crazy amount. Mm -hmm. But it will mean something to Chris Foward if, like, your best defensive player enjoys playing next to that guy.
1: Sure. Moving to the next one here from Drew. It's a two-part question, so I'll ask you the first one, and then we'll get to the second one. He he wants to know about um, about uh, the contracts coming forth for our, our best players. So yeah. Brandon Scherf is the highest-paid guard at $15 million a year. How much will Nelson make when he is due for a new contract?
0: Well, he's resetting the market. It'll be the highest-paid, uh, most guaranteed Um you know, Zach Martin was, what, six for 84? And I want to say the guarantees hovered around, I thought 40, but 32 was, like, jumping in my head as well. It was significant. Mm-hmm. I mean, a six-year deal is absolutely absurd and well-deserved for a player of of, of Martin's caliber. But, um, you know, for a non-quarterback to get a six-year deal, you just don't see that every day in the NFL. So Nelson will reset the market. It will be six years. Um it will be what did Martin. So six for 84 breaks down to like 14 a year. I mean, he said, Brandon Sheriff's the highest paid guard at 15. 15. I mean, I don't see how Nelson's not anything less than 17. Yeah. Because again, we're we're projecting probably two off seasons away. Yeah.
1: Nelson's
0: in year three. That that's that's a. I mean, what do you think? Five for five for seven to, uh,
1: five. Well, I mean, if he does six for seventeen, that's hundred mil plus hundred and two million. So yeah, and
0: then and then uh, it, it's all about the guarantees. You yeah. know, I mean, fifty of that guaranteed. I th- these numbers sound outrageous in my head because he's guard, but he's a Hall of Famer after two seasons. Sure. So Um, it's not something that I think they'll do next summer, but the following summer.
1: Drew Drew continues and says same for Leonard. Um, I don't see him getting a twenty three and a half mil money on his second contract, which is Khalil Mack type money, but he's curious would he surpass Bobby Wagner, the highest paid middle linebacker, 18 million. A year?
0: I'm pretty sure he will. I'm not maybe as confident as like Nelson, but I, I think Leonard would get past that. Um, no, no chance. He's 23 and a half. I, I mean, I can't see yeah. that. I'm sorry. Pass rushers are a different breed, uh, but 20 ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, th- th- that makes sense for, for me. Um, Again, I think Nelson will shatter it. I think Leonard will surpass, but not, you know, maybe shatter it. Now, having said this, we're talking about an off-ball linebacker, and we're talking about a guard as the two highest-paid players in the league at their positions. We're not talking about a quarterback. We're not talking about a number-one wideout, a number-one corner, a left tackle, a defensive end. (laughs) The books are about to get tight, folks. The Very books tight. are about to get tight, and you're going to number crunch. And Mike Bloom, the capologist, if you will, for the Colts, is going to earn his money because you're going to have to crunch the numbers, and it means you desperately, desperately need the future quarterback of your franchise to be on the rookie deal. I know some people are like, what about Aaron Rodgers in two years? I, it sounds great. I'd love looking at Danica you know, on a few Jumbotron <laughs> shots, but, I mean, come on. Come on. You, you got to have that quarterback on the rookie deal.
1: Danica belongs in Indy. She, she does. She belongs in she Indy. She does.
0: Danica is the name of my Calcutta Indy 500. I won't give <laughs> it the full name, but she is, um, she is Indy. She's had a couple great runs. She does. Yeah, yeah. She
1: got shout it. out to the
0: IMS for having fans there. I know Ross isn't maybe thrilled because it impacts some of his schedule this
1: summer, but, um, Hey, yeah. you know what? I'm excited for this weekend. We're going to get a race in at the IMS. we will get two right. races in at we the are. IMS. We are. We'll probably be gambling on it we on are. our vacation. we will get a little scratch a little, on that. Yeah? Awesome. All right, moving forward here, Alec. Uh, great pod this week. Glad to have you back. I got to thinking uh, the other day and wondered which Colts players you think would have the best chance to be professional athletes in a sport other than football, obviously not counting who played other sports in college, i.e. Mo Ali Cox.
0: Wow. Alec, I like it. This is good. Um, Mo Alley is atop the, the list. Shout out to Brian Shelborn, great friend of mine. He, Him and I were just so intimidated watching Mo Alley Cox play college basketball at VCU. Um, well, let's start with Hooker. I believe a D1 basketball recruit out of Western PA at a time. Um, I know a lot of people talk about Jacoby and his game.
1: His basketball game? Yeah. Really? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Football game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's one of those things, and I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast. You walk into an NFL locker room, there will be no topics debated more than this. Who's better, LeBron or Michael? And who is better, who's the best basketball player in that locker room? I mean, literally, I swear that's all they talk about. That's wow. all they talk about. Just watch me in high school, what, you know, this about that. Um, I'll say this I, I watched Darius Leonard. I think he posted a little Insta story, him in the batting cage.
1: Mm, wow! I liked what I saw, man. Got some hand-eye coordination to him. I mean, you imagine Leonard out left field, Roman? Wow! Put him in the middle of your order, or you know him coming home, rounding third, no bully, Bullying you know, the uh, the God, catcher. Pray for
0: Tucker, Barnhart. That
1: <laughs>
0: is. Um, you got anybody that come to mind? I mean Nelson. I, I think Nelson throwing the shot put. I don't know if that's a professional athlete, but uh, or maybe the hammer toss. You know the World's Strongest Men event. Sure, the hammer. Grover Stewart would be in there as well.
1: Not sure that's a professional. Yeah, I know. Uh, sport. Maybe more of
0: an Olympic sport there.
1: Mm-hmm. I I think wide receivers always come to mind as some of the best athletes. Wide receivers and corners—they're quick. They can jump high traditionally. Right. So I, I wonder, you know, if you give Ty a basketball as a point guard, they, is he just going to? They've run, said run? Ty
0: is a really good basketball player as well. Mm-hmm. Pascal might be the best pure athlete. I think I think he's your emergency quarterback. So if you dress, you know, two in a game, and they would both get hurt, I think it would be Pascal. Um, I do. Remember, I mean, Rocky Seen was a two-time state champion wrestler. Again, I don't know if that translates to the WWE, <laughs> but um, he would be on that list. And, and, you know, this would be a great question. I think to, you know, ask candidly, maybe Frank Reich or Chris Ballard, but there, you know, Chris is so enamored with these testing numbers, you know, the combine numbers of, you know, wingspan and vertical and three cone and short shuttle and all that. Some of these guys that's got to translate to other sports, right? I mean, you would think you would think.
1: Yeah. It has to.
0: Yeah. Has to. That's a great question. Alec.
1: Alec also congratulate you on baby Bowen. I forgot to add that into oh, the uh, thank to the you, question. Alec. I so. appreciate that. I, Kevin and, and uncle Ross. Appreciate that. <laughs> we do. All right. Moving on here next with Will. Um, he's got a fancy draft question. So he disclaims that, but he has the following needs running back, quarterback, wide receiver, a lot of needs for you there. Will, he has four first round picks after trades. Mind you, we are only drafting from rookie class. 2, five, eleven, twelve, in a 12-person league. He wants your advice.
0: And this is a fantasy dynasty draft question, which okay. I think is key to remember here. Okay. Because, I mean, we're talking long-term. Um, Will, this is intense. You are a fantasy player. Uh, Corn Washington, former roommate of mine, could probably help you out more than this. But, okay, 2, five, eleven, twelve. Um... I I would probably throw. Man, I'm going to take Tua at two. I'm assuming Burrow's going one, right? I mean, he has if to. If you're only drafted from the rookie class, I think he, Burrow he, yeah, goes he, yeah. one. I don't know. Do you trust Tua
1: medically? Yeah, long term. So it's a dynasty. It's a long term. Right. I mean, you go with yeah. Herbert. <sighs> or, you know, do do you?
0: Or are you taking the best skill player?
1: Yeah, or are you taking a, a best long term skill player? I, I... I'm going to go Tua at two. Okay. But, but I know you can debate that at five, I'd
0: probably go the best running back on the board. Um, I'm thinking, I, honestly, I think Jonathan Taylor at five, if, if I could get him there because I'm thinking like back to the draft,
1: mm-hmm. historically
0: deep wideout class.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if I can get Taylor at five and then come back at 11, maybe I'm getting Justin Jefferson there, you know, some quarterbacks off the board to maybe, maybe I'm getting Pittman at, at 12. Um, KJ Hamler is a name that I like, you know, in Denver, you know, if drew lock and hit you know, those two guys and along with Cortland Sutton can kind of
1: yeah.
0: get it together. This is a tough one. This is a great. I mean, Will, I don't know a lot about fantasy dynasty drafts, but, um,
1: yeah, hopefully that's a little advice. Sounds intense. Be, yeah. Yeah.
0: That sounds, if you've
1: got a wife, pray for her. <laughs> that, that, that really sounds intense, man. Godspeed to you. Will. Yeah. Good luck. All right. Moving on next from Matt who's likely or who is more likely to get extended T Y. If he has 1100 yards and nine TDs or Marlon Mack, if he has 750 yards and 12 TDs. Yeah.
0: Matt asked this question when I was filling in for J and last week, I appreciated Matt listening and sending me that email. So I thought let's throw it in here as well. Um, if Hilton gives me 1100 yards and nine touchdowns, that means he's got to be playing at least 13 games, right? At least. Yeah, for sure. He's back. He's back. You know, he's back. I mean, the, there's no questions asked to me. He's back. Now, with Mac, the 750 yards I don't love. Again, I'd love to see games played if I'm going to get nitpicky here. And I've mentioned this in the past few weeks, guys. The touchdown number is finicky to me. Like, okay, you know, Marlon Mack, he gets the goal line touches. So, he gets, you know, four more touchdowns than Jonathan Taylor. You know, something like that. Like, I just think touchdown numbers are weird. I mean, unless he's breaking five forty 40-yarders, um. To me, again, it's not so much what Marlon Mack can do. It's just, unless Jonathan Taylor tears the ACL, I, I just don't know how Marlon Mack comes
1: back here because I think he'll get a lead back role somewhere else. For sure. Moving forward here from, from Tanner. Hey, Kevin, congrats on dad life. Hope all is well. Thanks, Tanner. On the next podcast, which is this one, I'd like to hear your five-year forecast for this team. I feel like we can be anywhere between stuck in mediocrity in routine, deep playoff runs. I also forgot to mention my last message. I'm a Knoxville native and highly recommend coming to Knoxville for Ooh. a Georgia, Florida, or Tennessee versus Georgia, Florida game, which you said it should have been my bachelor party. And, uh, and I, I agree. I, I kind of dropped the ball there, but, um, and we, you
0: know, you and I have talked about this. So my in-laws, um, four siblings in the Lubbers family, uh, Matt, Maddie, Ross, and Anna, Anna is six years younger than Ross. And Ross and I have already decided that we've picked out Anna's um, fiancé's bachelor party. Whenever that comes, you know, uh, tomorrow, 10 years down the road, we'll be going to an SEC football game.
1: We will. So
0: if you're listening to this and you marry Anna Lubbers, um, sorry about you, but uh, we we, got to go.
1: Part of the criteria for coming into the family.
0: You need to be a a, a solid golfer, Mm -hmm. and you got to go to an SEC football game
1: for your bachelor party. There's a... There's a small window of, of people out there that will fall into that. <laughs> um, okay, so. Um, he wants to know
0: five-year plan.
1: Yeah. Are we going to be stuck in mediocrity, or are we going to re- have a routine, deep playoff run? And I know there's yeah. a two very ends of the spectrum are. here, but.
0: You know. you know, Tanner, I hate to cop out, but it's going to come down to that quarterback, Ross. You know, yeah. it, quarterback purgatory isn't purgatory in the NFL. It's hell. Quarterback pur- purgatory is
1: hell. Look at the Bengals.
0: That's hell. Like, Dalton, holding on for him for all those years and you know, Tannehill and Miami for all the, like, it's just.
1: Redskins come to mind oh, to me. Yeah, no, yeah. You just,
0: know. You, you, you wince when you hear those names. Mm-hmm. Um, routine deep playoff runs is too extreme for me. I th- Okay, five-year forecast. I think this team's in the playoffs uh, four out of those five years. And um, I think I think at least one of those years will be deep. Okay. Uh, but, but I can't go routine, deep playoff runs. I just, I'm just i not going to stand on that ledge.
1: I, as a Colts fan, I'll take four out of the five next years for sure. Yeah. Okay. Moving, fo- moving on here from John. Hey, Kevin, congrats on the new baby. Let's say you're Chris Ballard, and the Colts come out of the gate looking real hot like contenders, talking six to eight wins in the first eight games. Wow. If Malik Hooker starts playing like he was worth that fifth-year option and the Jets call offering Adams for a second-round pick and Malik Hooker, do we just take the deal? Just just for clair- clarity's sake, let's say he's asking for $15 million a year for four years.
0: Yeah, you know, we hit on this a lot on last week's podcast. I won't hit on it very long here, but I- I'm not. I-, I go back to what I said last week. I'm not investing that much in safety. Yep. So all of a sudden, you're going to pay Darius Leonard the most money of any linebacker. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay Quentin Nelson the most money of any guard. And now you're going to pay, the, the. I assume, Jamal Adams will be the highest paid safety in the league. He just seems like a diva. Too. Yeah, like, yeah, he just, you know. yeah, just, and you know, the rumored of the eight teams he listed there. I mean, he, he's coming to Indy. Yeah. He's not walking up and down Mass Ave or no. hanging out on Georgia Street. I mean, it just, yeah. Yep. John, I wanted to throw your question in here, but I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not.
1: Cool. Moving on with Aaron here, you alluded to this earlier, but we're we're talking about Anthony Walker and Leonard's relationship. So he said, "Do you think Anthony Walker's close relationship with Leonard will have any effect on his chances of re-signing uh, with the team next offseason?" This is the guy. Aaron was the one that 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 tweeted me this question, and so obviously Darius Leonard searches
0: his name on Twitter. Shout out to the people that do that <laughs> and uh, favorited this tweet, and maybe re- I think he might might have responded. honestly. Wow, um, which is big time. Good shout- for you, Aaron. Yeah, shout out to Aaron. I <laughs> I frame that, put that on the fridge. Um. I, yeah, he said, I hope so, I think was, was Leonard's comment. And again, I would normally laugh at this, but I do think it plays a slight factor. Um, I, I, Just because I think Walker's a great leader, smart leader of that unit. Um, And, and I will say this, I think I want to focus on their chemistry with the positions that they play. You know, this isn't like a quarterback best friend with a right guard where it's like, does that really matter? Mm -hmm. You know, this is like two linebackers that have to be from a communication standpoint and an instinct standpoint so much on the same page. So I actually think it plays a slight factor um, in that.
1: Sure. Sure. Moving on here uh, from Scotty, probably not Scotty gone, but shout out Scotty gone. It's his 29th birthday today. Good friend of ours. He's shot
0: 79 this morning.
1: He did. He's up here at the, uh, on vacation with us. So shout out Scotty gone, but this one's from Scotty. What is the reasoning behind the whole Mac situation is to set Jordan Wilkins up to be extended. He has produced when given the opportunity and has very low miles on him. Not to mention he'd be way cheaper to keep than Marlon Mack.
0: Yeah, it is. It is a fair question. Um, I will say this, Scotty. The thing about Wilkins is there's there's this little ankle issue that he had in training camp last year, and I'm just a little bit worried about just the long term of when is that running back red flag, you know, waving. Okay? Sure. That's the thing, and I know I know he has that. Um, and I think you have to remember, Marlon Mack. Ross, look up how old Jordan Wilkins is, if you don't mind. Marlon yep. Mack is young. I want to say he's just 24, Mack. And I'd be curious what Wilkins is. You know, they're, they're one draft class, um, separate. But you know, Jordan Wilkins missed two games last season, and he got hardly any of the touches compared to Marlon Mack. 25 years old. When's he turn 26?
1: July 18th. So he's almost. 26. So he's two. weeks. two. Yeah. I mean, two weeks. Yeah. He
0: turns 26. Um, July 18th, my my brother's wedding. Shout out to Ryan Bow and Kristen yeah. Krimp. Um. I mean, that's almost two full years older than Marlon Mack, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so confirm
1: that. um, Yeah, Marlon Mack is 24. He um, just turned it, right? Just turned 24 in March, so yeah. So you got to factor some of that in there as well. Um, Now,
0: having said that, you always need bodies at running back. So Mm -hmm. I get it. It's a fair question. Maybe you bring Wilkins back on a one-year deal, um, something like that. He's not breaking the bank, so I'm not going to lose sleep over it. But you guys know how I think about running back.
1: We have one every year. Every year. Moving on with Gabo, 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 mm. all the way from Mexico. Greetings wow. from Mexico. Love it. Yeah, going international here. Which is the strongest position group and the weakest?
0: Strongest is running back, O line, or linebacker.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, sorry to give you three, but I think all three are defense are, are are right there. Weakest to me probably corner has some question marks. I would say wide out and tight end. I'd throw in there that might be more health related
1: mm-hmm.
0: Hilton Campbell, Trey Burton. Um, but again, I think Chris Bauer has done an outstanding job at balancing out this roster. Just a tremendous job of, of balancing out this roster from a, um, from a depth standpoint.
1: Awesome. Moving forward here with Cody, this is a two part question. So we'll ask the first one first. Do you think the Colts used Hines enough in the passing game last year when they were spread thin in the receiving core?
0: Um, no, I, I don't, you know, he had a lot more catches with Andrew Luck than he did last year with Jacoby. Um, and, and I think he will be used a lot this year. You know, Philip Rivers is a knack for it. We know that full well, you know, people have talked or Frank Reich, I should say, has talked about Roosevelt Knicks as a fullback playing about 10 to 15% of offensive snaps. So sure. maybe some lead blocking stuff, um, is there. Um, but I, I think Heinz can do some two back stuff of, Jet sweeps and Wildcat and just a little bit more creativity from a multiple back
1: standpoint that doesn't include just necessarily Roosevelt, Knicks at fullback. Sure. And in a segue into that, the second part of the question from Cody is, do you see the Colts running two running back sets like the Browns did last season? And if so, which two backs do you see most immediate in that scheme?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. It's hard to kind of gauge. I would say a little bit. I don't think it'll be a massive part of it. Because, again, if you're two running backs, are you taking away a tight end? We know Frank Reich loves them. Are you taking away Campbell? You know, To me, if Campbell comes on the field, that means a whole lot more to a defense than if Marlon Mack and Chaim sure. Hines are on the field together. Like, it, it just does. So, um, but uh, I would think all of them, Mack, Taylor, Hines, probably Hines the most because he gives you that uh, split-out wide element.
1: Sure. A lot more threats. Mm-hmm. All right, moving forward, Wyatt. Why? Very simple question. Who has the most yards this season? Campbell, Pittman, or Pascal?
0: Um, I'll say Campbell. I, I don't think. Well, I, Pittman might have more catches, mm-hmm. but I think Campbell will just get them in chunks. Yeah, you know, it'll just be like three for sixty-eight.
1: You know, it's, mm-hmm. some of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I'll go with Campbell. Cool. All right, Zachary here. Rappaport has reported a potential huge drop in the twenty twenty one salary cap. If true, what would that mean for the Colts? I didn't see that report.
0: Yeah, you know, obviously COVID-related. We'll we'll see how the season unfolds and just what the ramifications are in the cap. You know, it's too early to tell. Um, I would say one thing, Zachary, that I have my eye on is what does that mean for your veterans that are approaching the age of 30, are 30, you know, Justin Houston in a contract year, Hilton in a contract year. You know, Jack Doyle's got two more years left. You know, I think the guarantees were heavily early on that. You know, you hate to throw some of these names out there, but, like, that's the reality. Now, the good news is, again, you don't have the quarterback on that long-term mega deal. But still, Mm -hmm. I I think some of those vets that are getting up there in age, those would be the guys that
1: I'd be like, "Mm, all right, what's exactly it going to look like for them? It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. All right, John here. Odds the Colts have two players in the Offensive Rookie of the Year debate. I assume he means Campbell and Taylor. Right? Uh, Pittman. Oh, Pittman. Pittman. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. Pittman so, yeah, and Taylor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Slim. Slim, John. You
0: know, it's just... If that happens, I mean, you've had injuries to Marlon Mack and T.Y. Hilton. Like, I yeah. just can't see how both of them are in the debate. You know, the debate is probably... I mean, there's a lot of wideouts. I mean, think about all those wideouts that were taken early. Uh, Judy and... Um, Judy Ruggs. Um, who's a guy who went to Dallas? Lamb. Lamb. Um, you know, Justin Jefferson, uh, Brandon Ayuk. I mean, you've got a lot of guys that are... And then running back-wise, I don't know if Clyde Edwards will be in it, given Kansas City's offense, but DeAndre Swift went to Detroit. I mean, you got to think he's going to be a big part of that offense, so um gotta yeah, think joe burrow's a front runner too oh yeah 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 gosh great call i didn't even think about the quarterbacks um so yeah i i i would say slim john but i expect one of them to be in it
1: awesome coming because
0: here- debate sorry to interrupt ross but uh-huh. but debate is you know three to four people you know it's mm-hmm. you know not finalists but you know you can you can debate things for a while
1: sure all right moving on to joseph philip rivers over under tds 31 and yards 4300 keep up the good work
0: um, thanks Joseph. I, I'll say slightly under on both. Yeah. I just, cause I think your run game will have, have the commitment there. You know, slightly under on 31 TDs, and then, and then yards I'll go with, um, nah, I'll go 41. Okay. 4, Take it to your bookie Joseph. All right, moving on. To <laughs> Let's do like six more. I'll, 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 I'll cut you off when, okay. when we need to, but, um, yeah, we've got a few more here, but we're kind of approaching an hour. Um,
1: all right. You so tell yeah. me I'm having yeah, yeah, fun. Yeah. Keep yeah. going.
0: And you're doing a hell
1: of a job. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Usual. Preston here. Preston says, I believe there are 24, or 25 guys set to be free agents after the season, pick two players that will have breakout high impact seasons and be signed to a new deal and name those two players who will falter this season. Mm-hmm. Therefore not mm-hmm. being resigned by the Colts next off season. Yeah. it's a,
0: a good it. question. Preston. Um, and again, for people that missed it, check out the article up on the site where we run down all these names. I would say the high-impact breakout, you know, that's that's a big, big phrase to use. I would say Grover Stewart gets another contract. Hmm. I'm curious about Trey Burton. You know, if he stays healthy and looks like the guy that Chicago had two years ago and Philly had when Frank Reich was there, I know he's a little bit on the older side, I think 28 or 29. You know, I could see two- or three-year deal for him. The name that I'll mention that I don't know if I've ever mentioned on this podcast as a key ingredient, but I'll go with al Muhammad mm. at defensive end. I think he's terrific on rundowns. And if you don't bring back Houston, then he could be a guy that could potentially be, or Autry leaves as well, maybe. He could be your guy um, on the early downs. You know, Ture and Banigou are still squarely in the mix, but um, those are those are a couple names. Falter, I, yeah, I'll go with the cop-out and say Hooker and Mack. I mean, I don't know if they're going to
1: falter, but I just don't see where the numbers add up to, to them coming back. Sure. All right, moving forward to I Am the Beast. What a name. God. That seems like a name that was put on the back of an XFL jersey. Like, <laughs> like he who hate me or he hate me. He or, hate me. Or, I yeah. love that. God. Right.
0: I miss the XFL. I am the
1: beast. That's probably what Ocho Cinco's name would have been <laughs> if he was in the XFL. All right. A few years ago, we. we, oh, we a long one. Yeah. A few years ago, we've seen the Colts move from someone like John Simon, who in many accounts was one of our better players in the season before, albeit a bad year for the team. He was far from someone who was our worst player, and we've seen him walk. And while I was furious at the time, we've proven to not need him. A lot probably don't even remember that without bringing it up. Who is someone on this year's roster who could, uh, you know, be the same kind of the move? Not an obvious cut, maybe even played very well, but gives what gets the ax. Okay. P.S. congrats on baby Bowen. Little girl's stick our little girls still look good in Sunday red and Colts. Oh, that's
0: an understatement. That's an understatement. I am the
1: beast. My niece, Rosie, Bow will be wearing Sunday red almost every Sunday tigers in the mix. Gosh,
0: Those are just magical words that my wife doesn't want to hear, but I'm glad you said them. (laughs) All right. Um, I know we talked a lot about Simon last week and and that was kind of the time to play the young guys though. I mean, you know, that was the, you know, and we, and we, we talked about that. I, I think you are past that a little bit. Um, a lot of people probably would throw Dedeco Autry onto this list. Hmm. I still think he gives you a versatile defensive end. You know, I, I, I do. Um, Xavier Rhodes would have to be a total flop. Just a total camp flop for him to go there. Um, and maybe Trey Burton, if he can't stay healthy. You know? And, and I... I so with some of these questions, people want want me to give hot takes, and, yeah. and I, I throw the questions in there because you ask them, and that's what this podcast is all about—is the interaction. So I'm gonna continue to ask these questions, but I'm not just gonna throw out a hot take just to throw it out there. So I don't—I honestly don't think anybody mm-hmm. jumps off the list at me with this. Guys, I feel somewhat possible
1: it could might happen. I don't know. There's a couple names for you. I am the beast. I am the beast. All right. Clayton here. Clayton asks, fast forward to the spring of 2022 following an almost perfect season playoff run and Super Bowl win. Wow. How do you think this pandemic will affect the recruiting and scouting during the season and especially leading into the 2021 draft?
0: Yeah, it's a very niche question there, Clayton. Um, It's all about relationships, you know, Uh, and I think early homework. You know, I would assume scouts will not be allowed to go watch practices in person this year at colleges mm-hmm. you know i go back to um the michael pittman story i posted last week with chris mcgeha uh the west scout for the colts shout out to him getting married here in a couple of weeks um you know he went he went to usc's practices and said michael pittman didn't didn't lose one one-on-one rep great valuable boots on the ground insight and now you won't get that so Uh, Again, uh, you know, Jamie Moore, the Southeast scout. I remember him talking about Darius Leonard watching him work out at 6 a.m. in the morning. It's just those type of – where you see the maniac at at that hour of the morning. You know, that's just invaluable area scout homework. So what you need is this. You need your relationships of the people in-house. Do you know the strength coach at Ball State? Do you know the assistant defensive backs coach at Notre Dame? And they can give you some intel into who these guys are. Go back to high school days for background checks, things like that. It, it's going to change things a lot. So I think relationships, early homework you did on the underclassmen, all of that
1: will be huge. Absolutely. Moving on here quickly to Andy. Congratulates you on the new baby. Appreciate that, Andy. Do you think there have been any discussions about the possibility of Braden Smith at left tackle once Anthony Constanzo retires. No,
0: I don't want to go there, Andy. I, I, why are you risking two positions? Like, who who would be your right tackle then? Now, all of a sudden, you have needs at both spots. And is it a slam dunk that Braden Smith's going to play left tackle and be good at it? Zero history there whatsoever. Played right guard and right tackle. Right guard for, I think, 39 games, right tackle for two
1: at Auburn. So, I, I just don't um, – no, I don't see it, Andy. Cool. Moving on to Irvin. Irvin. Favorite Colts player with a number in the 20s. Mm. You going all-time, Irvin? Oh, I was thinking current, but yeah, I like all-time. All-time's easy. Bob Sanders. Yeah, easy Bob I Sanders. I mean, without a doubt.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, just the ferocity that that man played the game of football with is bar none. Maybe Mike Doss. Oh, there's a name. Look at Ross Lubbers pulling out the former Buckeye. Um, yeah, Sanders to me. Locke. What about current roster? God, I think a current guys. Probably uh, Kenny Moore would be the cop out at twenty three. What What's Taylor? Taylor gonna be twenty one or something?
1: I'm not sure what his number is. I'd
0: have to look that up. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of twenties. Mm. It's just kind of a lot of corn. You know, running backs. I feel Malik. like oh Marlin, yeah, twenty five. Yeah, Malik. okay. Now we're naming a few. Xavier Rhodes. I think is in that mix. Um,
1: but yeah, Kenny. Kenny cool. Moore. All right, moving on to Lucas. What position group or groups could be most affected by the COVID nineteen shutdown for the Colts?
0: Yeah, it's it's a good question, Lucas. Teams got to start thinking about this. I I go back to offensive line. You know, I, I've bitched about the the lack of depth there all offseason season long. I'll continue to do it, and that's not even COVID related. Mm-hmm. And now imagine you know Anthony Costanza going down for two weeks or something like that. Um, so yeah, I I think that that is um O line maybe maybe depth at wideout. Tight end, but I would say mostly O-line for me.
1: Not quarterback? I, I guess. Mean,
0: I, yeah, I guess, but it's like you've got Bursette. Yeah. And honestly, if Eason gets thrown into the mix, I don't think it's the end of the world. Maybe it's the end of the world for the season, but at least you get to evaluate him. Sure. Um. But yeah, I mean, quarterback, I, I almost feel like that's kind of the obvious one. Yep. But still, from a backup quarterback standpoint,
1: the Colts are in the best shape of probably every team in the league besides like two of them. Cool. All right, I'm going to do a little, little gambling here from Aaron. Over-unders. Over-under on Buckner, nine and a half sacks. Under. Pittman, uh, 600 yards. Over.
0: That, 600 yards isn't a ton. That's like 600 by 16. That's like probably like
1: 35, yeah. 40 yards a game. So I'll say 40 a game. Hilton, six and a half TDs. Under. Rivers, 4,200 yards. Uh, What I say earlier? 41. Yep. Okay, slightly under. Leonard, 150 tackles.
0: Under. I think that's more of a health question than anything. And he, hopefully, he's not making as many tackles for the Colts' sake this year.
1: Kenny Moore, two and a half interceptions. Over. Over. Awesome. All right, Aaron, take it to your bookie. Those are good. Yep. All right, moving on to Wyatt, uh, the second Wyatt of the day. At your 2021 beers with Bowen or Claws with Bowen, depending on, mm. um, on what, your, what yeah. your drink of choice is, event, which topic will dominate? One, Colt's Super Bowl win. Two, Colts disappointing season. Three, Rivers retires. Four, Luck unretires. Five, other. PS I haven't heard. How's baby Bowen and Mom?
0: Oh, well thank you for that, Wyatt. Let, let's start with your question. I I mean I'll go with other PS. I just I mean those are some man, those are some storylines. <laughs> Right there. Luck unretires. Rivers retires. When are we going to stop getting questions about uh, luck yeah, unretires? Again, like, like I said last week's podcast, we, it's a two- to three-minute grieving period every week <laughs> on Kevin's Corner. Kumbaya, light your candles, take your shot, move on. Um, I would say Rivers retires is probably the most likely, mm-hmm. like, of your four, of your first four. But I'll go with other P.S. I just – I'm a guy that needs to see camp. I need to see camp. I need to see some of the preseason. You know, the, the, the over-under is what? Nine win. I mean, I'm mean, sure we bet Rosie's college fund on the over on that.
1: <laughs> I'm not betting Rosie's college fund <laughs> on the over on that. I, I think I think what's interesting to me is that the definition of disappointing is going to be very widespread across sure, the fan base. Sure. You know, if, if they make it to the wild card and lose the wild card, is that considered disappointing? Or, you know, what's the threshold yeah, for that? That's there? fair. That's um. fair.
0: I I I would say again, I'm loose, just loosely throwing it out there. A winning season and a playoff appearance is kind of where I'm at right now. That's kind of the bar for me, I guess. But I want to see camp. I want to see the preseason for <laughs> more reasons than
1: than one. Awesome. Why does ask how's Baby Bone and mom?
0: Oh, Rosie's great. Again, sleeping well. Um. My wife probably wants me to end this podcast soon, so we can go um, <laughs> attend to Baby Rosie. But Maddie's been unbelievable, um, champ throughout, and uh, yeah,
1: Rosie's healthy, and she'll turn three weeks on Friday. That's my girl. All right, two more Twitter questions, Kevin, then we'll go hang out with Rosie. Cool. Uh, second to last one here is from Logan. If you were the Colts, what would you be doing to spark ex- excitement and interest for fans to help motivate players during games? You can answer it here on the podcast if it makes it through the guy. It has, um. Logan.
0: Thank you for sending. Um, In-game experience at Lucas Loyal. Yeah, we get a few of these uh, every year. Well, one, become a more entertaining offense than you were last season. <laughs> I mean, that's you yeah. know that, that's more product on the field. I, I would just like to see a livelier third down. Just get, I don't know, music, Uh, more people standing up and yelling. Uh, and, yeah. and it's just, I, I just have. Maybe it's our Midwest hospitality. I've never thought Lucas Oil is a venue that's intimidating. Beautiful stadium. Unbelievable stadium. I think it's welcoming. But, like, I don't think it's hostile. Like, no. you walk into Arrowhead, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's hostile. You walk into Seattle. You you, you were at Seattle, yeah. Indianapolis. You I mean,
1: you and I went to Seattle for the, right. what was it, Thursday night or Monday Sunday night, Sunday night, and night game. And yeah, it, it's a whole, whole, whole different, different environment. Um so we, get, I, we get up on third down every now and again. Half the stadium gets up, but yeah, it's nothing. It's
0: just, just nothing, nothing compared, compared to the compared other. To. I would put Lucas Oil as one of the quieter, quieter venues that, that, that I've been to. Um, and I know the Colts have tried. They've looked into this. Their are marketing people, travels to road games and stuff. So, uh, yeah, Logan, I don't know. I mean, this year I don't think, unfortunately, we'll have to worry about it too much because
1: I don't see full capacity. But, um, yeah, thanks for the question. Last one here from Tanner, a fun one. He says, hey, Kevin, hope you've been getting decent sleep. LOL. Um, Odd question, but if you were to pick three Colts-themed names for a dog, what would they be? My girlfriend and I settled on Ballard for a two-month German Shepherd, but just wanted to know if you've done any better. Best wishes to you, Maddie, and Rosie.
0: Oh, I appreciate that, Tanner. Um, Man, dog names. You know, our dog growing up in the Bowen family was Rudy. Uh, obviously named after the outstanding pass rush specialist for Notre Dame, Rudy Rudiger. Rudy with an I, though, because she was a female. Mm. So we, we had a little bit of a twist there. Dog name Colts. Uh, man, Tanner, I don't, Ballard didn't didn't jump off the page at me. Definitely not. Not yeah. Hayton, you know, no, no offense to your German Shepherd puppy, who I'm sure is beautiful. But uh, I think the obvious is Peyton. Yes. Yeah. Uh, long-term or, uh, you know, I, I was thinking current. Oh, current I, yeah. I, I, I love the name Grover Grover Ooh. Stewart Um, for a dog. I think Quentin is a decent dog name called um, Q, called Q. Q, Q, baby Q. Baby. I, how big your German Shepherd's going to be.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, German Shepherd's a big dog. You know, I think you got to go with a big old, you know, Peyton. Peyton is the obvious. That mm-hmm. is the obvious. But um, yeah, good luck, Tanner. Thank you for the question. That's All right, it. man. That was great.
1: Did you enjoy it? I did enjoy it. I good, did. Good, it. good, good. Yeah, um, hopefully, uh, you know, lived up to, to what Joey and Chris and Maddie even have, have, have done with you, but it was a lot of fun. Thanks everyone for, uh, dealing with me on my first time here, but it was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. Hopefully, uh, the sound quality has been good for you guys. Um, we'll be back. Chris is on vacation. I think we're going to do Tuesday, maybe Wednesday next week. I, I forget what, when, when he gets back, but, um, Thank you, Ross. You did an unbelievable job. What a just uh, you talk about next man up. <laughs> Chuck Pagano will be proud of the effort that uh, that that you gave today. So he's Ross Lubbers. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody, thanks for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. Have a great Fourth of July. Safe Fourth of July. We'll talk to you next week on Kevin's Corner.